You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. And um, uh, just, just uh, if you missed that, pick it up on, on podcasts. It's um, worth a listen. All right. So this morning, we're going to continue to uh, just dig into this series that we've been talking about in Galatians 5. We've been talking about what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it's, it's super good. I hope you guys are enjoying this. But today we're going to talk about the gift of faith or the fruit of faith or faithfulness, maybe your Bible reads. And so we're going to um, just dig into this. But before we do, what I've enjoyed doing is setting a little bit of frame soil or heart. And um, this is important because, look, if you've ever um, done any gardening, any planting where you are trying to a fruit tree, a vegetable, whatever it is, right? Down to your soil, doesn't it? Does that mean you can go to Lowe's or Walmart and, and buy the little plant, buy the seeds, throw them the eternal optimism. Some dirt and some water in the sun, and I am going to grow a magnificent vegetable. And oftentimes, that doesn't work. Even as a kid, I remember like Johnny Apple eating it. God eat an apple, and I'm like, yes, we're going to apple seeds, you know, and, and I got disappointed when they never turned and morphed into apple trees. I, I didn't get it. What missing, and a lot of times what we're missing too, that I go to a handheld mic, forgive me for this. There we go, all right, there we go is that a lot of times that when we read the Bible and we read the Word of God, and we, especially this is, a, this is a very encouraging passage in, in Galatians 5 where it talks about this, the fruit of the Spirit and what God desires to begin to birth in us to like have happen in our life. There's not one of these things that we read, at least me, where when I talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, I'm like, yes, I need extra Five kids, I need a lot, you know? And, and so we read these and we go, yes, we want these things, but what we don't realize sometimes is that oftentimes it comes down to the condition of our heart on how well these things are produced inside of us. And if we don't understand that, what takes place is this, is we get frustrated. We can even begin to think that God's Word doesn't work and we just go, ah, forget it. I, I'm, I'm never going to have these things in my life. It's not for me. It's meant for somebody else. But in reality, the condition of our heart, or the condition, of, uh, if we like to say, the condition of, a so- of our soil would, makes a difference in our life and how well the Word begins to work inside of us. So we've spent a little bit of time at the very beginning of this, each one of these talks in this series just talking about how to condition our heart, how to condition the soil of our heart, if you would. And so today is no different, and I want to talk to you about the, concerning the condition of the soil of your heart of how important it is to have the right models, the right people in your life, right? You will become who you hang out with. Scripture says this, to be wise, walk with the wise, right? If you're hanging out with some dumb people, don't be surprised when you start acting dumb, right? Uh, I, I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to. All right, let's, let's, just, let's just dig back a little bit into um, Galatians, and we're just going to go to Galatians 4, and I want to read this passage to you. And... Uh, Galatians 4, 8 through 12. And it says this, Formerly, when you did not know God, and you were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God's, but now that you have, have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Okay, now let me just explain this to you a little bit here, because what I want you to pay attention to you, what I want you to pay attention to is this, is this statement that Paul makes, and he says, become as I am. Now here, just, just really quick, not to bore anybody, but the problem with the church in Galatia in, at the time of the writing of this letter is that they began to slip into some wrong thinking. See, they came to know Jesus Christ, and they had 
formerly most of them had come out of a Jewish perspective where in, in their background, what they were taught is that they had to follow a long set of rules in order to come into the favor of God. And of course, that changed under Jesus Christ, right? So, so Jesus, under Jesus, is said, we, we, we believe this, that it is by grace that we have been saved, not in and of ourselves, not of our works, lest any man could boast. And so Paul began to preach this gospel, and the freedom that comes in Jesus began to immediately take root and spring out of the church in Galatia. But when Paul left, there were some people that came back in, and Paul uses some wonderfully just strong language in the book of Galatians. It's a fun book to read because he, he, he goes in and he talks very harshly to them sometimes. And he says this, that look, they slipped in and they began to, began to get the church there in Galatia back under wrong thinking. And Paul's saying this, and he says, listen, who enslaved you? Uh, you, you, you knew that you were free. And he, and he uses this statement, and this statement has a deeper impact than what we just read on the surface level. He says this, but I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul said, look, I came to you and I spoke to you and I understood where you were coming from because like you, I was a Jew. And I understand the importance of these things. I didn't lose all of them, but when I came to Jesus Christ, I understood the better covenant that Jesus gives. And so I understand you. And, and what I want to encourage you to this is that you're looking at two different perspectives. You're looking at these people coming in and they're giving you a bunch of malarkey. That's a, that's a Greek word. And, and, and you're believing them, but I want you to start to become like me. And so what Paul is saying here in just a very subtle, powerful way is that you will become who you listen to, who you hang out with, who you begin to model your life after. This is a very important spiritual truth to have the right people and the right models in our life. This will determine the condition of our heart, the soil of our heart. This is one thing that really will affect it. And so we need to pay attention to this. Why? Because we all need to see lived out experience. That is why God set us in community and made us relational people. Not, not, to, not to go overextend this point too far, but I mean, God knew that from day one, right? How do we know? Because after he created all the beautiful things in creation and looked at Adam and said, go for it, Adam, name them all, have, have a ball. And he looks back and goes, it's not good for that guy to be alone. And so he created Eve. Why? We were created for relationship. We were created for community. And the best community, and I'm not just saying this because of who I am and where we are, but the best community you can be in is a community of faith. And so you were created to see experience lived out. It's important for us to learn from one another. We need to live out. We need to see uh, our, our, the things that we're walking through uh, and, and experience those things through relationships so we can understand how other people walk through those things. And this is extremely important. That's why we have to be in relationship. And so when we understand that, what we need to have in our life is this. Is every one of us needs to seek to be a model for somebody else. So parents, if you are, if you are, uh, have children that are living with you, you need to model out the, the, the walk of faith. If you are in a workplace, you need to model out faith. If you're in a marriage relationship, you need to model out faith. You need to model out faith at Starbucks, right? Um, and then you need to be modeled by somebody else. You need to have somebody in your life that you are receiving from. Every one of us. None of us have arrived. None of us have gotten there. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been walking with the Lord. You have not arrived. You have not arrived. We are all in this journey together and we all need to have people in our life that we've given permission to speak into our lives, to begin to see things. If I'm getting a little bit off course, if my thinking is getting bad, if I'm getting a little jaded or tired or frustrated, they can just knock you back into position. And let me say this, as a side note, a healthy marriage looks this way, right? This is the importance of the marriage covenant as well. Husbands, you need to give your wife's permission to speak into your life. It's not what you, uh, sometimes if you're like me, you go, what, wait a minute, you know. But there's not one time that my wife has spoken into my life in 21 years of marriage that she has not been right. Oh, and she's not even in here to hear that. Can you guys make sure and please tell her that, all right? Just every one of you individually walk up to her and say, your husband said you're right all the time, all right? 
the condition of our soil. Let's get into the gift of faith really quick here this morning. In Galatians 5, just to recap, 22 through 24, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh with its passions and its desires. So I want to just give you just a quick definition, a quick understanding of this idea of faithfulness or faith. And when we read this in Galatians 5, here's what this word means. As it comes from the foundation of the Greek word pistis, which is to trust. But it's not just trust in the way sometimes that we have gotten... uh, we think incorrectly about. Because our trust has limitations oftentimes, doesn't it? Because maybe you've been jilted. Maybe somebody has broken trust with you. And so when you use the word trust, it only extends out to this place. But there's always a little leftover on your side to make up in case somebody drops the ball. But that is not the meaning of this word. See, this word pistis, this word trust means to put your your, your whole, the wholeness of your trust into, and in this case, God. To put the wholeness of your ability to trust into God. And so when we see this word in the fullest context in Galatians 5, what it means is this, is that this, this picture of trust that we have in God being lived out in a consistent manner. So when we pray and we say, God, please begin to develop the fruit of faith or faithfulness in me. What you're saying is this, is God, as my faith in you grows, as I begin to trust you more and more every day, now let me just pause for a second and be very honest with you, is that every one of us, this is why you may have heard this phrase before, we're on the journey of faith. This is very important. You might have come through the front door by receiving Jesus and saying, I believe that you covered the debt of my sin at the cross. That's just the first step. And as you begin to walk, you're learning to trust Him more and more. You're learning to trust Him with the difficulties of your life. You're learning to trust Him and say, God, how do I navigate this relationship? How do I, I trust You to begin to walk out in some of the areas I believe You're telling me to go? And we begin to grow in our faith. And this is why it's important to have the fruit of faithfulness in us. Because you cannot separate faithfulness or faith from faithfulness. See, it's important for us to understand this, is that sometimes we say, look, God, I trust you. We say it with our mouth and we think it in our head, but the reality is this, this is the tricky thing with faith, is that faith or faithfulness has to be lived out. It has to be proven. It's something that we do. It's what we show up for. And it even kind of echoes this sentiment of saying, we do it day in and day out. We get our reps in with faithfulness. So it's not just when we need to have faith. It's not just when a crisis comes. But we are walking in faith or taking a step in our journey of faith every day. And this is what we want the Holy Spirit to begin to to build inside of us because we can't separate faith from faithfulness. See, we have to have faith in, in our heart and have faith built, be built inside of us in order for faithfulness to begin to manifest. Let's look at a passage in Hebrews 11.6. Um, this may be a familiar passage to some of you. But it says this, And without faith it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is kind of like the definer of faith, the Scripture that defines faith, but... Um, sometimes I find this a little confusing because it seems like this, that God's asking us to step out into the unknown. And in very much the sense He is. He is asking us to trust Him before we see sometimes the fulfillment of the things that He has promised. I can't tell you how many times I've read Scripture on God being peace or even like I read earlier during communion about the one who lifts off the burdens, the healer of the broken heart, and I've had to step out in faith before I've actually seen that uh, begin to happen in my life. And God does ask us to do this, but I want to I kind of rephrase this for us this morning. And I think we got it. Do we have it on the screen, Abby? Awesome. Let's read this. This might help us, if you can see that. 
It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where are we pleasing God? Where does He want us to please Him? In your marriage, in your workplace, when you're raising your children, in your calling, in your future. See, God is asking us to invite His presence into these various areas of our life. He's not just uh, commanding us robotically to just do something so that it becomes pleasing to Him, but He's inviting us into these, He wants us to invite Him into these areas. For whoever would draw near to God in behalf of these things must believe that He exists, that He knows and comes before these areas. Now, let's pause for a second. And some of you are going, whoa, 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 you're messing with the Scripture. No, I'm not. Just listen really quick. Because here is the thing, when God called Abraham and he spoke, and we read, this, read about this in, in Hebrews 11, there's a long list of men and women who walked by faith. Every time, God called them into something. As it was the case for Abraham, he said, go into the land that I've called you, and I will make you into a mighty nation. What was God asking him to do? To trust him in the impossible, where in the area of his future, Why? Because He wanted to be in the midst of those things. Why? Because He has come before these things and He knows these areas. See, a lot of times what happens when it comes to our walk of faith, and I hope this clicks, is that we don't realize that God is insanely interested in the areas of our life. Not just in in, in the sense of a general thing that we are we, we are doing this just to please Him, but He is insanely interested in these areas of our life. And He has come before these things. There's nothing that catches God by surprise. There's nothing that God says, oh, Andy, I didn't see this coming. And so many people park their, their, their journey in faith because they're worried about making a bad decision as if God can't get you out of the jam. And God asks us to trust Him and say, I'm going to take a step. And it says this, and He rewards those who seek Him. And here's what it means. When I choose to adhere, is that my phone or somebody else's? All right. That's all right. My phone talks to me too. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Preach this message for me. All right. (laughs) Let's get going. He rewards those who seek Him. When I choose to adhere to His promises concerning these areas of my life, there is blessing. There is the blessing of God associated to Him. (laughs) When we choose to honor God in the areas of our life and walk by faith, there is blessing associated to those things. What does that mean? It means this, that He rewards those who seek Him. He rewards those who seek Him who honor Him, that choose to see His working in the areas of our life. When you come in, listen, you can't parent without faith. You can't be in a marriage without faith. You can't be in your workplace without faith. And sometimes we leave these things off to the side and we go, oh no, that's just about my spiritual journey with God. God, I'm trusting You. But I'm miserable as anything in my relationships. and I'm miserable as anything in my workplace. And we never stop to say, God, will You lead me by faith in these areas? Why? Because You've come before these things and You know and You understand and You are leading me as a whole person. And when I choose to honor You as the One who has come before and is leading me, what I'm going to see is Your blessing. In my life. I want to talk really quick. And as we wrap this talk up. I want to talk about building faithfulness in our life. And I'm going to do this from an odd area. Because I don't want to talk about Elijah. I like this guy. So in 1 Kings. We're going to, we're going to just kind of feed around in 1 Kings 17 and 18. Chapter 17 and 18. The very first time that we see. Elijah coming onto the scene, he's coming into a terrible situation. There's a king that's over Israel named Ahab, and he is just in a bad, been leading Israel down a very bad path, a path of wickedness and idolatry. And we see just all of a sudden in 1 Kings 17.1, Elijah jumps on the scene, the Bible just introduces him rather abruptly into the scope of Israel's future. And this is really cool. Because the first things that we hear about Elijah are this. And I just want to parallel some of this 
some of Elijah's life in, in 1 Kings 17 and 18 to our walk of faith and some things that we have to do, some decisions that we have to make. And in 1 Kings 17, 1, it says this, Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there will be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, again, don't lose sight. Uh, This is the first time we see Elijah on the scene, and this is what pops out of this guy's mouth. You're dealing with an angry king, and you walk up to him, and you go, as a matter of fact, as a prophet, I'm going to let you know something. That famine is about to hit the land, and there is going to be no rain, no dew, nothing in, 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 in Israel until I give the word. And here's the first thing that we see about faith is that, and this is hard, but it's a big, big, it's a huge first step, is that we have to decide to stand on the Word. If you're going to walk the walk of faith, if you're going to have faith alive in you and see faith grow in your life, you have to decide to stand on the Word. You have to decide to stand on the Word. Even though Elijah spoke these words, these weren't his words, these were God's words. But Elijah had to make a stand. There was something that he had to plant his feet on. And every one of us have to begin to plant our feet on something. If we want to see faithfulness grow inside of us, you need to have a corresponding promise from God's Word to begin to stand on. If you are walking in your marriage and you need to see your marriage rebounded, you need to have something in the Word that you are standing on. If you are finding freedom in your life and you're overcoming some obstacles in your past, you need to stand on the Word. You need to make a stand on the Word. If you're raising your children, you need to stand on the Word. If you are trying to uh, walk the direction God has called you to walk, you need to find something to stand on the Word. You have to decide to stand on the Word. This is what Elijah did. As he came up, and, and again, it doesn't, listen, I hope this doesn't, isn't lost on any of us, but we see this, the incredible magnitude of this, that Elijah walks up on the scene, the very first things out of his words, out of his mouth are these words that we see him say. There's not going to be any rain, any dew, except at my word. But then as we look down in fur- and further in 1 Kings 17, this is what we see. That famine struck the land. And there's a dilemma that faces uh, Elijah's heart. Because he goes to a widow woman who has a son, and they're starving to death, literally starving to death. And it's easy, it's easy in this time frame, and there's actually, we're going to read a scripture in just a second that just shows you the magnitude of what's going on in Elijah's heart here. Because this was the, the confusion that he faced, and this is the confusion sometimes we face when we decide to walk the journey of faith is that Elijah began to blame himself. He began to look and say, what's going on? Did I, did I do this? God, are you doing this in, in behalf of me? What's happening? Because the famine was a direct correlation to what we see in 1 Kings 17.1. And now people are suffering. Now there's suffering in the land. And in 1 Kings 17.20-22, he says this, He's laying over this boy, this widow woman's son, who is dead, who has died. The breath, the Scripture says, has left him because of starvation. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, this is Elijah, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come back in him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came back to him again, and he was revived. Do you hear Elijah's words here? He said, oh Lord, is this my fault? Is this calamity come upon me because of you, because of me, because of what you asked me to do? And this is the second thing that I see in the journey of faith, is this, is that not only do we have to stand on the Word, but we have to stand on faith even when desperation and pain and challenge make it hard to see. Your faith will be challenged. Your faith will be challenged. There will be times that it looks like you are looking through a dark tunnel 
And there is barely a glimpse of light at the other end. But you have to stand on the Word. You have to stand on the Word, even when it's hard. Elijah didn't lose his faith. He didn't lose his place. But what he began to see was a provision of God come out of this desperation. And see, this is something that's incredibly important about the journey of faith. Is that what Elijah saw was this. Is that he saw God moving even in spite of what was happening and the stand he had to make to see what God wanted to take place in Israel happen. Can you see that? Can you see that even in the midst of our challenges when it comes to our journey of faith that that God still sees, that He has compassion, that He knows us and that He's still teaching us things, that He's still growing our heart even when it's so hard, when it's challenging, when it's painful, that He's still doing that? Elijah anchored himself to the truth. In 1 Kings 18.1, this is what we see. God speaks to Elijah and He says this, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. What kept Elijah in the right place, and this is what keeps us in the right place on our journey of faith, is that we keep hearing the word of God. You are going to become, even in the most challenging, difficult times in your, in your faith journey, you are going to become what you listen to. You're going to become what you digest. And it's important when you begin to take a journey of faith that you are feeding yourself on the Word, that you're feeding yourself on the promises of God, that you're listening to these things, that you're listening to podcasts that build your faith, that you're staying in the community of faith. It's amazing to me, and and, and again, please see this, that in 1 Kings 18, that one thing that would be easy for us to overlook is that Elijah still had communication with God. If I could just be honest with you, I think that maybe in my life, that maybe I would have shut some things out after that interaction with the widow woman's son. Maybe I would have backed out of some things and said, you know what, this isn't really what I'm cut out for. But Elijah continued to hear God's word. He continued to hear God's voice. He, he kept that line of communication open. And I want to tell you this, that when you're walking through the journey, your journey of faith, and things are difficult, you're not alone. You're not alone on a lot of fronts. You're not alone because hopefully you're attached to a community of faith, but you're not alone because God's word doesn't fail. See, some of you are going, man, I don't, I don't like what I'm hearing right now, but just hang on because it gets better. It gets better. See, what happens is that in this journey, the reality is that sometimes it is hard, isn't it? That sometimes it's painful. But anchoring ourselves into the truth of the word of God and keeping a connection where we're able to hear. And even, in the, even maybe in the least bit, maybe it's hard for us to hear God, but, but we're still connected to people and we're still keeping that open. And there's still people around us that are reminding us of the truths and the promises that God has given. Further into 1 Kings 18, we see the breakdown here. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. And here's where we begin to see some real change take place. In Israel, is that there's a very familiar showdown at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18 where the prophets of Baal and Elijah, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal. And we understand this from what Elijah does and there's a renewed faith that begins to hit Elijah's heart here. Why? Because he lets the prophets of Baal go first and they spend all day and they're weeping and they're mourning and they're, and they're, they're doing just debaucherous things at the altar, trying to command Baal to, to bring down fire from the sky, and nothing's working. Why? Because Baal's an idol. He's not real. And Elijah is taunting them. And he goes and he says, now it's my turn. And he saturates the sacrifice. He has the, the servants of Israel sacrifice, uh, I'm sorry, saturate the, the, the sacrifice there. And he begins to just water it down, to just saturate it. And as he calls down fire, God answers him. 
And all of a sudden, things begin to shift in Elijah's life. Something begins to, to happen in Israel that there's an undoing of the, the grip that the idolatry had that Ahab and Jezebel had over Israel. And God begins to move in this, but there's some significant things that we need to see because in order for faith to grow in this is that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to confront unbelief and old patterns. There have been so many times in my life as God is walking me in a journey of faith that He said, Andy, you've been holding on to just some wrong thinking. You've been holding on to some old patterns. See, wrong belief has to be challenged. Wrong belief in our life has to be challenged. If we're holding on to things that don't line up with the Word of God or don't line up with the promises that God has called us to or the truth of who God is, it has to be challenged. If we have some kind of mixture that we kind of have one hand over here listening to God, but we've got our other hand over here just hoping that maybe we can work it out or something can change or, or we're holding on to just something else, then something, there has to be a confrontation. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I hope it does. Because here's what Elijah did is he began to confront the thinking of Israel. See, because it wasn't just the prophets of Baal that, that Elijah was coming at and saying this is wrong. Is that what happened is that, that Ahab and Jezebel had begun to turn the hearts of Israel to begin to believe this lie. And so what Elijah, God was having Elijah challenge was this. He's saying, listen, this is wrong thinking. And wrong thinking in our journey of faith will divert us from what God has called us to do. And we have to let the Holy Spirit both confront it, challenge it, and correct it. I found that the best way to have that happen sometimes is to to set aside a time in my life to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. There's been so many times that I've been in a a place, listen, and it could happen to you. It's happened to me in the car. I've been in the car and I've just maybe just listened to some worship music and all of a sudden tears will begin to flood down my face and I'll just begin to be reminded of something God said and it's like a lightning bolt to me. And I, what I understand is this, is that I'm realizing that I'm having an experience with God. And don't get it twisted because Israel wouldn't have turned their back if all of a sudden it just would have been just this beautiful little clean little fire that consumed Elijah's sacrifice but God threw fire from heaven down. It was a big explosion. It was something that was powerful that captured their attention, that began to change their hearts. And I want to encourage you to have an experience with God. Your experiences with God can't be limited to Sunday. You have to experience God on the daily. If you are on your journey of faith, and you're in a place where something needs to be challenged, you need to experience God every day and set up a time to meet with God every day, whether it's through your personal time of prayer, whether it's you reflecting on something, listening to something, whatever it is. Replace wrong thinking with truth. Replace wrong thinking with truth. Begin to attach the Word of God into every area of your life where maybe you've struggled with the wrong thought. If you've struggled with thoughts and lies of identity, some of us have struggled in, the, in this place where we find our faith diverted because we don't feel like we deserve something that God could give. We don't believe that we deserve His goodness. You need to change. You need to begin to replace that lie with the truth. And the last thing that Elijah did here in this spot is that he destroyed old patterns. He destroyed old patterns. And in our life, if I could just speak practically to this for just a second in your journey of faith. If you're walking down the same places that have led you into a place that's not the direction God's going, change your patterns. Change your physical patterns. It's amazing, and I don't, I don't want to... No psychobabble here, but please hear me. Is that sometimes we can get into wrong thinking just by mindlessly going through things that associate us with bad feelings and bad thoughts. You could turn on a song, and all of a sudden your heart's in a different place, isn't it? Has anybody ever been there? Where you've listened to something and it brings you back to a memory that was painful, that was in the past. Some of you... As we come into the holidays, that we, we see this and you're, you're, you're worried and you're concerned. 
And this is what I want to tell you is begin to create some new patterns in your life. Take a new way to work. Listen to a new radio station. Turn into something positive. Begin to do something different. Get a hobby. Do something that is going to bring life to you. Why? Because a lot of times what happens is that we get stuck into our old patterns and we don't realize how much it correlates to our perception of what God's doing in our life. And in order to see something new happen, you need to do something new. The next thing that we see is this. is a perseverance to the Word. This is where it begins to get good. This is where God wants to bring us to. This is where God will bring you to in your journey of faith. Justin or Michael, come on up. In 1 Kings 18, 42 and 43, it says this. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Oh, Ahab, that joker. Elijah just called down fire from heaven. And Ahab's stopping by McDonald's and picking up a number one. That's in the message version. But listen to this. Now Elijah goes to the top of Mount Carmel. Now remember the beginning of... uh, Chapter 18, verse 1, God said, hey, go see Ahab, it's about to rain. But I I need something to be corrected here. I need Israel to get a renewed mind. See, I'm not going to send rain when there's still this wrong thinking that's happening in Israel. I want want them to get a right mind. I want them to begin to connect back into who I am, to get into a place of faith. Now we see here in verse 42 and 43, that as Ahab is eating, Elijah's going back up to the place of victory, and he's going... And he says this, because he heard God's word, he stayed to it, he, he, he moved past the place of pain, he decided to stand on the word. Oh man, we wouldn't have even seen Elijah in 1 Kings 17, 1 if he hadn't decided to stand on the word. Come on, do y'all get that? Come on, just listen, listen to the word of God. Let, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You would not have even seen Elijah if he would not have stood on the word. I don't want to get fiery and, and, and Pentecostally to you guys right now. But some of you, God is asking just to stand on the Word. Like, He wants to show you back up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you forgot. And now He wants to make you stand. And Elijah didn't stop at the place of pain. Again, that's, that's a, man, that's hard for every one of us. We get that. And Elijah confronted these things that needed to be confronted in Israel, these wrong thinking. But here we see him anchor himself to the Word, that he heard God again, that he heard what you said, God, that it's going to rain. Go, go see Ahab. And so he's on top of Mount Carmel, and he bows himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And that's an act of contrition. And he says this, that, listen, I can just imagine, and I, just, just feel this for a second. I, I love the Word is that Elijah just met with God. He had all the boldness in the world to say, I'm going to call down fire from heaven, and God, you're going to answer. You're going to bring fire down on a waterlogged sacrifice. But here we see a different Elijah. We see him humbled. We see him contrite. But we see him confident. And he said to his servant, Go up now. And looked toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. What is Elijah sending his servant to see? He's sending him to see what God said in 1 Kings 18.1, that rain's coming. And he looked at his servant and he said, go to the sea. <laughs> Elijah, all I see is a pretty blue sky. And Elijah, the Scripture says, go back again. Could you imagine being this servant? He's getting a CrossFit workout at this point. And he goes back, the Scripture says, seven times. Until finally he goes back to Elijah and he says, Elijah, you won't believe this, that there is a cloud the size of a man's fist. Now who rejoices? We've got weather people that have messed up weather things in in this area before, Right? But nobody gets worked up over a cloud the size of a man's fist. Right? Hurricanes come in. It's the size of a man's fist. We'd all be like, whatever. 
Call us when it's a category one. You know, like, we know. But the servant runs back to Elijah. There is a cloud the size of a man's fist. Why? Because they haven't seen a cloud in the sky for many, many, many months. Because they know the pain that the absence of rain brings. But they've held tight to the promise. Can I tell you something again, just to, just to go the extra distance on this, is that seven's not insignificant either. See, seven talks about the sign of completion. Listen, and here's what you need to know, is that when God promises something, that He brings it all the way to completion. Some of you have been holding on to things in your life, and you're saying, God, when? I'm tired of living in the place of pain. But what I'm telling you is, anchor yourself to the Word and continue to hear, hear the Word of promise that God has given you. Why? Because there is a cloud the size of a man's fist coming. You hear that? You hear it? Come on. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. We go, oh, oh, you're just blowing, you're just blowing smoke. You're just, you're just making it sunshine and cloudy. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Listen, some of you need to anchor yourself to the truth of the promise of God. Some of you need to, to begin to get yourself ready, to begin to gird yourself up and begin to say, God, I'm ready to renew this, this journey of faith that maybe I got tired in, in the walk a little bit, but I'm ready to, to renew this again in my life. I'm not giving up. Why? Because here's the breakthrough. In 1 Kings 18, 44 and 46, it says this. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud, the man of a side, the, the cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And then Elijah looks at his servant and says, Go, go say to Ahab, Go tell that guy as he's chewing on his chicken nuggets. <laughs> Y'all laugh a little bit. Come on. Prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. Go tell, go tell Ahab that God said it's going to rain. Go tell Ahab that while you've been cursing God, God is bringing out provision. Go tell Ahab that he ain't going to be able to get his chariot out of the mud because the rain is coming. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab at the entrance of Jezreel. See, God supernaturally empowered Elijah, and he busted this number. He gathered up his stuff, he got his running shoes on, and God supernaturally caused him to take off and get ahead of Elijah. Why? I mean, get ahead of Ahab. Why? Maybe it was just that I told you so. Maybe he's just looking at Ahab and going, you like the rain? You like the rain, Ahab? This is what I want to tell you is that God is in the business of bringing a breakthrough in your life. And some of you this morning are asking God for a breakthrough. And you're saying, God, I'm, I'm at the place where in my journey of faith that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see this. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be a little remiss not to bring this up to you. Because some of you are in this place where you're saying, God, I'm seeing you do good things, but you need to understand something too, is that the breakthrough that Elijah had wasn't for Elijah. This wasn't just a personal victory for Elijah. Elijah wasn't just saying this and going, oh God, you're so good. But what he was saying was this, is that this was for Israel. Because the journey of faith that you are on is not just for you. The journey of faith that you're on is for your children. The journey of faith that you're on are for the people in your workplace that are going through times where they're broken. The journey of faith that you're on is to show others and point others to the, the joy and the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. The journey of faith that you're on, God's not just doing for you. Yes, He, he, he is going to do it. And it's going to bless you. And it's going to be better than you can even imagine. And can you even believe this, that this point in time that the, the rains begin to fall on Israel, that it somehow diminished even the pain of what was happening with the widow woman. It diminished the pain of the famine on the land. 
that God was beginning to renew the land and there was something so much more happening in Israel than just meteorological responses, but there was something stirring in the hearts and the minds of Israel that they were beginning to return back to God. That God was even when you go in and you read 1 Kings 19 and you see the struggle that Elijah had and as, as uh, Jezebel looked at Ahab and said, I'm going to kill that fool. And, and Elijah ran for his life and God spoke to him at Horeb and said this, that I've reserved a remnant, that God was moving on the land. And I'm going to tell you something, if I could just speak a little bit bigger as a church, that I believe God's looking for a church that won't just believe itself as a group of individuals, but as a community that will come together and believe that God is moving on the land. Oh man, I'm telling you. Oh man, God wants to do it. God wants to do it. This morning, if you're in a place where you're struggling in your, your journey of faith, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Anchor yourself. Anchor yourself to the truth of the promise that God's given you. He loves you. He knows you. He's there. Some of you, I know this morning, I know many of you, I know, I know that you're going through such a hard time. And I want to tell you something. If you're going through a hard time, listen to me, please. The grace of Jesus. He's not asking you for more than what you can give. He's not telling you, looking at you and saying, man up, woman up. Puff your chest out. He sees you. You know what Jesus is doing right now is he's kneeling beside you in a place of brokenness. I think, again, I'm going, I'm digging back into these points, but I think there's something so significant to the fact that Elijah laid on top of this boy. Yeah, it doesn't seem weird, you betcha. But I want to tell you something, is that Elijah didn't stand from a distance and say, boy, get up! But he went on his level. And see, what I want to tell you this morning, if you're heartbroken and you're heavy and you're, you're struggling, you feel like you're scraping to hold on to faith in the midst of your pain, that Jesus is right there. That He sees you. That He is going to surround you. He is going to comfort you. He is going to still your heart. That He is there. And He loves you. Some of you this morning say, I just need to hear again. I need to hear again. And He will speak. Some of us this morning, we're in a place where we say, God, we need to get rid of some bad thinking because Maybe in our tiredness, maybe in our pain, we've, we've, we've held on to wrong things. And it's just time for the Holy Spirit to do a little bit of house cleaning in our heart and just say, if there's some things that we've been thinking in, on negative things, some patterns that we've been stuck into, it's time to let them go. And just God, create a clean heart and renew some things in my life. Build a pattern, a new pattern in me. Why? Because there is something that we're called to look to that has future and has hope in it, that has life in it, but not just for us, for the world around us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning, God, as we have come to your word and we've heard what your word said, Holy Spirit, that there's nothing that we can do in our own ability to to move the journey of faith further down the road, to build faithfulness inside of us, So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you just right now, you see every life here, God, and you love every life here. And right where every person is in their journey of faith, I I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just renew hope in each of our hearts. God, even for those who are going through a place of pain, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do right now and just begin to be the Father who kneels down beside them, that comforts them, that sees them, that mends the broken areas of our heart, that begins to do the healing that we need to have, the things that will begin to mend us, that will begin to cause us to see what you're, what you're doing and hear what you're saying. Holy Spirit, I pray that that grace and that peace would come upon those people, Lord. Father, for those, even like me, God, that say, look, I need to rearrange some of my thinking, God. That I know I can't do that in my ability, but God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Begin to renew a right mind within me. A right spirit. Begin to to cut out those things that 
aren't supposed to be there and to, to lock me, Father, lock us into the truth of your word. God, I thank you, Father, for every person here. That, Lord, no matter where they are in their journey of faith, God, that you are calling them into great things, God. Father, that you're calling them into a place, Father, where you truly are, as Hebrew 11.6 says, the rewarder of those who diligently seek after you and your plans and invite you into the areas of our life. And God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that we would begin to have hope rise up in our hearts and begin to see that, even if it's the size of a man's fist, that we begin to see hope begin to rise. That you would lift our heads up, God. I thank you, Lord God, for the promises that you have given, God. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, just to renew and restore those promises to every person here in the name of Jesus. God, as a people, as Freedom Christian Fellowship, I pray, God, that we would be a people that live our journey of faith, Lord, as a representation of who you are and what you desire to be in our community. As you desire to be a God of love and a God of peace and reconciliation. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet, please? If I can have some ministry folks come on up. Marla, if you don't mind coming up. Spud, Josh. Kiki, I don't know if she's there. I don't know if I see anybody else. This morning, if you're here and you are saying, Pastor, listen, I have an area of my life that I need prayer for. I want to invite you as we close this service to come and to receive ministry. And maybe you say today is a day. Pastor, I heard what you were saying, but I'm living in a place where faith is working alive in me. And I want you just to rejoice and thank the Lord. Say, God, you are good and you are faithful. You are true. But if you need prayer for anything, I know some of you, again, are going through something difficult. And you need the prayer of faith. And team, what I want us to do is if somebody comes up here and they are walking through something, whether emotionally or physically in their body, and it's difficult for them, I want you to pray the prayer of faith over them. And we want to agree with you. And believe that God is going to be the God of breakthrough in your situation. We love you so much. Thank you for being here today. Have a great day. If you need prayer, come on up.